Welcome back to NMSU Sportscast. I'm your host, Dusty Carrasco. And I'm your co-host, Brandon Santamaria. And uh, we're going to start this episode off with Blake Griffin. Uh, he goes to Brooklyn and creates a four-headed monster uh, in Brooklyn, joining the already explosive offense of the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, you know, honestly, they might as well get Giannis to polish off the starting lineup uh, <laughs> because, you know, this shit's getting kind of ridiculous. Yeah, you know, it really is. And uh, I mean, this was probably the biggest story of uh, of All-Star Weekend, you know, and it really has nothing to do with the All-Star Weekend itself. Uh, that's how big and crazy of a trade it is. You know, Blake Griffin, uh, he's, he really is a talented guy. You know, he hasn't been, uh, you know, the really dominant player that he has been. Uh, we've, uh, we've talked about it before in the past, but I mean, you know, maybe uh, switching things up and going to the Nets might give him, you know, maybe that spark of life that he needs and it could really help the Nets in uh, kind of securing their championship uh, aspirations. Yeah, definitely. Um, but yeah, you know, big story. Uh, Blake Griffin, he is, um, he's, a, he's a really good piece, um, you know, that I think is going to fit really well in Brooklyn. Um, and honestly, I think it's really going to be, uh, you know, a dangerous sight to see, uh, you know, Blake Griffin and DeAndre Jordan if they're both put on the court at the same time yeah and you know not only because they're both really good players but you know you also have to think about uh, they have uh, history together you know being on the clippers uh, a while back together so who, who knows what kind of you know dynamic duo that could be yeah and um you know honestly as soon as harden joined uh the uh the brooklyn nets you know i said it was championship or bust but now it is really championship or bust yeah. because uh you know uh, brooklyn is doing the most right now um, but yeah, you know, huge news, uh, but we can move over to all-star weekend, uh, where in the skills challenge, uh, DeMontis Sabonis of the Indiana Pacers, uh, he, uh, he made the skills challenge look easy beating Julius Randle of the New York Knicks in the first round on a perfect run. Uh, Nikola Vucevic, uh, of the Orlando Magic beat Robert Covington, um of the uh i believe uh covington's on the nets uh the covington i think so he might no uh, i think he's um isn't he i think he might be on houston yeah yeah yeah, yeah houston. houston uh but anyways uh nikola vucevic uh he advances over uh robert covington uh you know in the first round in the second round sabonis uh, he was able to cap off another perfect run to pull off the upset, beating uh, Maverick Luka Doncic, uh, while Chris Paul, being the favorite on the other side of things, facing Vucevic. Uh, he actually went uh, went down two in two surprise wins. Uh, the unlikely matchup between Sabonis and Vucevic was a good one. Till the end, uh, Vucevic was winning until the final three-pointer, uh, they went back and forth, missing threes until the uh, Sabonis, he uh, he sunk one to be the first Indiana Pacer to win the skills challenge. Yeah, and you know, really a big congratulations uh, for being the first Pacer to do so. Uh, the, these kind of skill challenges, they're always really fun to watch just because they kind of give this... Um, I guess kind of like tournament vibe, you know, you know, you, you got these guys who are favored to win and then you have uh, uh, the upsets, you know, like uh, we mentioned with Donk, uh, Luka Doncic and stuff. I mean, it's just really, it's just really like, like a tournament kind of mindset, you know, and I mean, you know, those are always fun to, uh, to watch, so. 
Yeah, um, but again, you know, Sabonis, he wins the skills challenge. Uh, but we can move over to the three-point contest where in the first round, uh, Jalen Brown, he didn't do so well. He, uh, he had 17. Jason Tatum, he did all right with 25. Uh, Zach Levine was... Uh, he was different and you know because because he uh, he started with his money ball rack uh, but he finished with 22 uh, Mike Conley he finished with a nice 28 uh, his teammate Donovan Mitchell got 22 making his last money ball uh, Stephen Curry was a walking video game out there putting up a 31 uh, in the second round uh, Jason Tatum he on, honestly he, he choked uh, scoring only 17 uh, Mike Conley got another good round with 27 um, you know Steph he made it interesting making both green three, 30 footers worth three points each uh, Curry had 26 with his last money ball to shoot uh, you know everybody held their breath and the 32 year old all-star sunk it to put him at 28 for his second three-point contest dub yeah this was another you know competition that was really fun to watch uh this one i watched a little more than probably the other ones uh, throughout the weekend and i mean you know uh there were some really good shots really good players but uh in the end it was just you know steph curry uh, like you said he was making it look like a video game you know he was just he was balling out the whole time i mean you know a lot of people kind of expected curry to win uh, a lot of people thought curry was gonna win you know he had like the uh, he had the highest odd probabilities to win you know when it comes to betting and all that but i don't think anyone kind of suspected him to win in such a like dominating looking fashion you know he just looked like from start to finish like he had it all and yeah. i mean you know it was pretty cool <laughs> <laughs> yeah definitely um but we can move over to the slam dunk contest um this was actually at halftime of the all-star game uh where cassius stanley of the indiana pacers uh ob Toppin of the new, uh, new york knicks and anthony simons of the portland trailblazers battled uh for the slam dunk contest trophy uh there was some pretty nice dunks as ob Toppin and anthony simons advanced to the second round uh anthony simons nearly kissed the rim to seal the deal in the last round uh he won the slam dunk contest to become the first trailblazer ever to win the contest um honestly uh did you see that dunk by anthony simons i think i did i saw like a highlight of it yeah um you know honestly a lot of people were saying you know he should have uh kissed the rim (laughs) but you know honestly you don't uh you don't really want to have dental work done you know the same day as the slam dunk contest so you know him being that close to the rim uh you know i think that was just really impressive by him yeah it really was and i mean uh, i don't know if people like forgot that uh you know maybe covid's still around and stuff uh, maybe that's why he didn't want to kiss it or something but who knows uh but but i mean you know for this contest it, it was really still fun uh to kind of see all the cool dunks but i know a lot of people kind of uh, mentioned that there was only uh there's only three guys you know this year to be in it so uh kind of a little bit of a disappointment uh, just because the slam dunk contest, it's been kind of so historic in the past. You know, we've had people jumping over mascots, people jumping over cars and stuff, you know. Uh, so it, it's it's kind of like a tradition for it to be one of the bigger kind of contests. And this year, it just kind of seemed like it was the weakest out of all of them, at least, you know, in my opinion. Yeah, honestly, it was kind of uh, like the shortest contest, you could say. Um, but, you know, either way, uh, some, some really nice dunks 
by the three contestants and Anthony Simons of the Portland Trailblazers uh, gets the dub in that contest. Um, we can move over to the actual All-Star game where Zion Williamson, uh, he became the fourth youngest player in NBA history to be selected to the All-Star game. Um, so, so check it out. Uh, Durant, he did not play in the All-Star game. Uh, Team LeBron, they uh, they won the first quarter as Curry hit a shot from almost half court. And LeBron had a nice bounce pass to Rudy Gobert for the alley-oop in the quarter. Um, Curry also hit another three from the corner where he turned around as soon as it left his hand and got nothing but net. Um, so, you know, I wanted to... Uh, to touch on LeBron uh, with the bounce pass to Rudy Gobert, um, you know, honestly, um, it was it was kind of like you know say like a, a good sight because uh, you know it felt like there was kind of beef between uh, LeBron and players such as Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert. Yeah, you know, it definitely could have seemed like that. Uh, I'm sure people like the media and stuff. I uh, kind of blew it up a little more than probably LeBron and them uh, were thinking about. But yeah, you know, it, it did kind of seem like there was maybe a little bit of tension and it kind of started going away whenever, you know, uh, these guys just got out there and pretty much started playing uh, playground basketball. You know, that's pretty much what it looked like. Yeah. Um, and, you know, LeBron's uh, comments, uh, you know, that's what I really think, uh, you know, kind of like sparked that little, uh, little bit of beef between the players. But, you know, in the All-Star game, where LeBron had that nice bounce pass alley-oop to Rudy Gobert. Uh, you know, it seemed like everything was okay. Um, but, you know, in the in the second quarter, uh, Team LeBron, they won that one as well. Uh, you know, where Curry hit another insane deep ball uh, after losing his dribble. Uh, you know, honestly, that one should ha- not have went in because... Uh, you know, he completely lost his dribble. It looked like it was going to be a turnover. Instead, he hoists it up and hits it. Uh, you know, Curry is just insane with it. Um, you know, and then uh, the two most elite three-point shooters in the NBA showed off their unlimited range in Atlanta with 2,500 watching. Uh, Lillard, he hit a half-court bomb, sparking Curry to hit one from half-court right after uh, you know, the two teammates, uh, honestly, all you got to say is they're just filthy. Yeah, you know, a lot of these threes were really filthy, you know, just because it, it just seemed like that this would kind of be like something that they never even like think about trying in a you know, real game that might matter for uh, records and stuff. And I mean, you know, uh, there was one actually I remember. I don't know if it's in one of the upcoming quarters or not, but I remember there was a big pass that uh, LeBron James had to Steph Curry. He like I think he kind of like threw it backwards behind himself. And he was able to get it to Curry, you know, almost a half court. And, like, that was just the kind of three-point shots you were seeing this game were, like, the half court shots, the logo shots, you know. Uh, and, and I'm sure the players did it because they know it's the all-star game. You know, people want to see all-star caliber talent. So, Yeah, definitely. But we came over to the third, uh, third quarter where uh, it went to Team LeBron as well. Uh, Donovan Mitchell of Team Durant hit a shot uh, at the buzzard, but... Uh, you know, it only got them within one. Um, and, then, you know, Team LeBron, they shut out Team Durant, uh, reaching the 170 mark to uh, to win uh, 170 to 150. Uh, Curry finished with eight threes, 
putting up 28 while his teammate Giannis went a perfect 16 of 16 hitting 100% of his shots setting an all-star record on field goal percentage uh, the previous most makes without a miss in an all-star game was 8 of 8 uh, so you know honestly that is pretty impressive for Antetokounmpo to do uh, you know he ended up with 35 points uh, Lillard matched Curry's eight threes going off for 32 and hitting the game winner from half court and of course uh, Giannis he also won MVP of the all-star game yeah, and that's well-deserving for uh, Giannis. You know, he really, he really proved that uh, he was the Greek freak out there. Uh, I think it was, last, yeah, last night. Um, and, I mean, you know, that's something just, like, we haven't really seen from him, even in the regular season, you know. Uh, you had mentioned before that the record was uh, perfect 8-8, eight and eight, and he ended up 16-16. Uh, and 16, You know, he doubled uh, the, the all-time record in the game. And, I mean, that's just really, you know, something that – I'm, I'm sure a lot of fans are kind of scratching their heads at uh, how come he's not doing that, you know, every night uh, for the uh, for the uh, Milwaukee Bucks. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, honestly. Um, but you know, it was a uh, it was a pretty uh, pretty good game. Um, but as Giannis said, uh, like uh, before the game, you know, he said that um, you know his team was gonna win like easily, yeah. and honestly, they did. Yeah, they um, did. And uh, yeah, you know, Giannis, he uh, he got the MVP award. Um, we can move over to uh, some college baseball. Uh, I just wanted to touch on this game uh, really quick because uh, you know this uh, this doesn't happen every day. Uh, number two or twenty-two, Boston College. Uh, they were down nine to one to Auburn in the bottom of the ninth. Uh, you know they had uh, two outs. Uh, you know so they would go on a two-out rally and tie the game on a three-run shot you know down 9-1 with no chance of coming back they tied up on a three-run shot goes 9-9 goes into extra innings where boston college got a two-run shot to win this one uh you know honestly just what a comeback really what a comeback you know this is uh this this is like a historic comeback uh, like you said this isn't something we see every day it might not even be something you see you know every season or every 10 seasons you know this could be something that uh, uh down you know 9-1 in the la- literally the last three outs of the game you know uh, you need eight uh, eight runs that's just kind of that's not something that you're gonna see maybe ever again in your life you know for the people who saw it there could be a small chance that they'll see a comeback similar to this. But, yeah, this is like a once-in-a-lifetime comeback thing. Yeah, just uh, really crazy. Um, but we can move over to Saturday where uh, Florida State, they took on Notre Dame. Uh, Florida State, uh, you know, they've been a good team all year coming in at number 11 in this one. Uh, you know, this was uh, senior day. For unranked Notre Dame and they were savvy the whole game uh, they led the whole way and led by as much as 20 at one point uh, the Seminoles they got it down 2-4 uh, with about 2.30 left to go uh, but the fighting Irish were relentless uh, Notre Dame would hold on 83-73 to uh, you know and this was the first win over a ranked opponent uh, for Notre Dame since 2017. 
And what a way to, you know, kind of have a senior night for them uh, to be able to get this win by double digits, especially against a ranked opponent, you know, just kind of outside. Uh, it says right here, they're uh, the, the Florida State's ranked 11. So they're just outside of top 10, you know, so they're nothing to uh, kind of sneeze at. And then, I mean, you know, it's just really uh, a really good game by the Fighting Irish. Yeah. And uh, just a really good upset by uh, Notre Dame. Uh, but we can move over to Oklahoma State. Uh, they took on West Virginia. Uh, West Virginia still ranked high even after their loss to Baylor a couple games ago. Uh, the Mountaineers came in at number six, while Oklahoma State at number 17. Uh, there was no Cade Cunningham this night due to a sprained ankle. He suffered late against Baylor Thursday night. Uh, despite no Cade Cunningham, West Virginia only led by five at the half. Uh, that lead vanished in the second half as Oklahoma State took the lead. Uh, you know, the two teams, they kept, they kept it close down the stretch. Uh, Avery Anderson the third stepped up big for Oklahoma State, dropping 31. Uh, the team played surprisingly well without the number one overall pick on the sideline. Uh, Oklahoma State wins in a shocker. 85 to 80. Yeah, this is really one of the other uh, kind of upsets from Saturday. And I mean, it, it really is kind of just a, um, I, I guess it's kind of a defeating feeling whenever you, uh, one of your best players, if not the best player on your team is, you know, sitting on the side. Uh, no matter what sport you're playing, football, basketball, baseball, if, if, you're, if your star guy isn't there, it's, it's going to be a little bit of a struggle. So you got to give props to Oklahoma State being able to kind of stay in it and, you know, uh, being able to keep the lead. Yeah, definitely. Um, and, you know, honestly, just another big win for Oklahoma State to put on the resume going into March Madness. Uh, we can move over to Illinois and Ohio State. Illinois ranked at number four and Ohio State ranked in at number seven. Uh, Illinois, uh, you know, they are ranked the highest they've been uh, since 2005 when they were ranked number one in the country. Um, that's really significant uh, this late in the year. Uh, they've been playing some really good ball as of late. Uh, coming off a really good qual good quality win against Michigan, the Fighting Illini were hungry for more. Uh, Ohio State trying to get back to a championship to redeem their football club. Uh, really worked their ass off in this one. Uh, Illinois, you know, honestly, did, they just worked a little harder. Uh, it came down to the wire, but the Fighting Illini, they prevail with a 73-68 victory in a good one. Yeah, this really was a good game, uh, you know, just because uh, when you look at it on paper, uh, it is two opponents ranked in the top 10, you know, uh, coming off and fighting each other. Uh, and I mean, as for, you know, the win itself, uh, Illinois, they look like a really good team. Uh, but I think uh, you can kind of see that, like, uh, just kind of throughout the game, because uh, I had seen a couple plays on this one. Um, it, it just kind of looked like the, like Illinois, they just had like this determination to maybe, uh, you know, being ranked number four, that maybe they're trying to get back to that number one spot that they had uh, over what was it, like 15 years ago or whatever. So, yeah. you know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, but a really good win for Illinois looking to be a number one seed in the NCAA tournament. Uh, but also on this Saturday, uh, Villanova took on Providence. Uh, Providence, they blew a 20-point lead against number 10 Nova. 
Uh, the Wildcats climbed all the way back into this one just to lose on a tie-breaking tip-in with 2.8 seconds left in regulation. Uh, Nova had an open look at a three-pointer, but hit the front of the rim. Uh, Villanova also lost another key player in their loss to Providence. Uh, they lost Justin Moore to an ankle injury in the first half um, as Providence pulls the early March upset 54 to 52 and you know that is what the third upset of the day on saturday yeah and that was you know kind of uh one of the last upsets of the day and i mean you know just uh just kind of overall it, it uh I, I guess like you know how they say um that like it doesn't matter you know how much you win by you could win by two or you could win by 100 uh you know as long as you win the game you win the game so i mean i'm sure that's what kind of providence is uh, going to be telling themselves you know having this big old lead and uh, getting it cut down to only being able to win by two and uh as for villanova you know it's kind of insult to injury to come back you know get so close and then to have a couple of your players get lost and then still end up with the l you know it's it's really a heartbreaking for them. Yeah, honestly, just a uh, a rough two-game stretch for Villanova. Uh, you know, as in the last game, they lost uh, Gillespie uh, to that MCL tear. Um, and this game, they lost um, another key player in Justin Moore with that ankle injury. Um, and honestly, you know, they lost both of the games. So, uh, yeah, it's kind of, uh, it looks a little rough going into March Madness for uh, the Wildcats. Yeah, definitely. Um, but we can move over to Sunday where uh, Houston took on Memphis. Uh, I don't know if you saw this one, but this one, it was a really good one. Uh, you know, honestly, I had uh, I had tuned in at the perfect time uh, because it was uh, 64 to 61. Uh, you know, Houston was up looking like they were going to win it. Um you know, Memphis, they uh, they had their chance at a three. They, uh, you know, they shot up a three, missed it, got the rebound, shot up another three. That sh- that, that went down. Nice. Uh, so tied at 64 with 1.5 to go. So, you know, I'm thinking, okay, like this one's going into OT. Definitely going into OT. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, it did not because uh, Houston, um, they, uh, they got a perfect pass down court and Tremont Mark, Hits the game-winning buzzer beater from 30 feet out. Uh, the improbable happens in Houston. And, uh, you know, if you're a Cougar fan at that game, you're more than ready for March Madness. Uh, you know, Memphis, uh, they were on the bubble watch coming to this game. Uh, but Houston crushes the Tigers tournament hopes with uh, that 30-footer off the backboard, uh, you know, in in March. Uh, you know, Houston, they pulled an unbelievable win uh, on Sunday, 67 to 64. Yeah, you know, these uh, these kind of games, I'd say that uh, it's, it's better for the players that they're in them, you know, uh, both for Houston and even Memphis, you know, the losing team, uh, whether they make it into, you know, the March tournament or not. Uh, these these, these kind of close games and these kind of last second games are really good experience because, uh, you know, you, you you never know when you're going to be in one of those situations. Uh, it could be in, like, say, the Final Four. You know, it could be in uh, the Sweet 16 or whatever, or even in the final game of the, you know, the championship game. Uh, the uh, A lot of these games do come down to the final seconds, and uh, it really is good experience for these kind of college, you know, players just because they're not like the NBA guys who play almost every single night, you know, and, like, uh, almost have, like, backhand experience to this, you know, so... Yeah, and so, you know, honestly, uh, this kind of sets Houston up 
for March Madness, you know, because if a game comes down to the wire, <clears throat> they're going to have, uh, you know, a play set up uh, for such a situation. Um, but also on Sunday, Wisconsin took on Iowa. Uh, the two or uh, two Wisconsin players uh, fouled out late, uh, one on the drive and another key player on a three point shot. Uh, Bohannon of Iowa makes all three free throws very calmly to make it 74 to 71. Uh, the very next play, there was a double hook, uh, double hook and uh, hold on both teams. So, you know, both teams, they got two free throws and uh, they knocked all four free throws down. Um, Wisconsin, they were uh, able to get uh, a jump ball to go their way on the next inbound on or on on uh, Iowa's inbound, uh, you know they would miss a critical three, and uh, the loose ball went out of bounds and uh, under review on a close March call. Uh, you know it was ruled Iowa ball, and they would seal the deal with a free throw. Iowa takes this nail biter, seventy seven to seventy three. I mean, this situation just kind of seems like it's more of. Um... It's more kind of you focus on, at least if you're on Wisconsin side, you know, you kind of focus less on the game and you kind of focus more on those uh, those two players who fouled out. Uh, it, it, it really just seems like it's kind of uh, more disciplinary than anything else because, you know, uh, yeah, you don't get as many fouls in a college to foul out as you would do, say, like the NBA or something, but... Uh, it, it, it still takes a lot of discipline and if people foul, start fouling out, you know, something like this could happen uh, where it seemed like after they had fouled out, this game kind of just, it just kind of took a turn for the worse for Wisconsin, you know? Yeah, definitely. Um, but we can move over to Loyola, uh, Loyola Chicago. Uh, they took on Drake. Um, now, Loyola Chicago, uh, they were the Cinderella team just a few years ago. Uh, in March of 2018, everybody remembers Loyola, Chicago, and their Cinderella run. Uh, yeah. They made it all the way to the Final Four, taking out six-seeded Miami just before the buzzer. Number three-seeded Tennessee with a jumper that rattled rattled home in the closing seconds. Number seven, Nevada on a late three. And in the Elite Eight, uh, they took out Kansas State by 16 on their Cinderella journey. Uh, you know, the slipper fit every game and made a name for Loyola Chicago ever since then. Uh, and, you know, the whole time, the Ramblers, they're ranked number 11. So the huge underdog in every single game, uh, you know, and they just continued uh, to beat the odds. Um, and, you know, so uh, were you lucky enough to watch that tournament? Uh, I didn't like see the tournament itself. I didn't see every single game, but I remember. <laughs> I I remember they're just kind of unbelievable story, you know, to success. Yeah, yeah so. definitely. Um, but uh, yeah, you know, it was uh, it was just you know crazy to watch. Um, but you know, in this one, trying to get back to uh, the madness in March, Cameron Cut Crutwig uh, was huge to that team in 2018 and huge now. Uh, Drake started the year 21 and 0 and we're trying to punch their ticket as well. Loyola Chicago at 23 and 4 came in at the number 1 seed in uh in the Missouri Valley Conference uh championship while Drake uh at 25 and 3 came in at the number 2 seed. Uh it was a good heated 
uh, battle in St. Louis where both teams fought their, for their lives. It got chippy down the stretch, but Loyola was able to hold on to a lead as big as 17 and punch their ticket to the NCAA tournament 75 to 65. Uh, you know, and honestly, Drake, uh, you know, they've been good all season, but you know, uh, there is a lot of heated competition this year. So, you know, Drake, they may not get in. Uh, and honestly, it's such a heartbreaker for a team such as Drake. Uh, but, you know, that's what March Madness is all about, Brandon. Yeah, you know, that really is what it's all about. It's all about teams uh, either cutting the cut or, you know, they get cut. Uh, but as, as for the game itself, you know, just with uh, Chicago, to, to me, it's kind of looking like since both of these teams were, you know, they were pretty good uh, throughout the year. And I mean, they were kind of evenly matched. Uh, maybe this kind of spark could be what Chicago needs to maybe have another Cinderella story. You know, they were able to do it before and who knows if they're able to do it again. It wasn't it wasn't that long ago being only like two, three years ago. So, I mean, I'm sure they still have a couple of the key components from before. Yeah, definitely. And uh, Kretwig. Uh, you know, he, uh, you know, he was on that uh, Loyola Chicago team that, uh, you know, went to the final four. So, uh, you know, they do have experience. And, you know, so uh, the Ramblers are going to be a team to look out for come March Madness time. Mm -hmm. uh, but we can move over to Michigan and Michigan State. Uh, after Michigan just annihilated Michigan State in the first meeting between the two in-state ball clubs, it was sure to happen again. Uh, Michigan did not come prepared in this one because Michigan State beat them at their own game. Uh, the Spartans stunned the Wolverines with a 70-64 upset. Uh, Michigan's senior guard Eli Brooks he uh he hurt his left ankle early in this game and might that might prove crucial going into the tournament uh you know this win uh most likely sent Michigan State to the big dance and would be coach Tim Tom Izzo's 23rd consecutive appearance uh the Spartans have won five of their last seven games beating number four Ohio State number five Illinois and of course their rival number two Michigan Wolverines to put on their resume yeah and I mean you know just from what you listed right now it seems like Michigan State might kind of be even though they're not ranked uh you know or anything like that it, it seems like they might be kind of the uh the Titan Slayer team you know they've been taking down all these big big teams and I mean even Michigan uh who for a lot of the year people were saying was going to be the number one seed you know and finally making it to the number two seed uh, it is just really uh, it's just really kind of this gargantuan kind of takedown, you know, uh, a really good upset. And I mean, it really does give hope to Michigan State coming into the big uh, tournament here in a few here in like a week or something. It's coming up. And I mean, you know, as for the coach, um, Tom Lizzo, I mean, he's uh, the, the 23rd consecutive NCAA tournament is it's just kind of mind boggling to think about, you know, that's like over two decades of success. That's like even longer than Tom Brady's been uh, been destroying in the NFL. That's that's something. Yeah, definitely. Um, and you know, Michigan State—they've always been good in the past, uh, but this year they have not been so great. Um, you know, pretty much the whole year. But you know, with those three uh, quality wins, uh, you know, they're most likely going to be in the tournament. Mm -hmm. um, but we can move over to number three. Uh, Baylor and number 18, Texas Tech. Uh, Baylor Bear 
Masio Teague. Uh, he went unconscious from three in this one, knocking down 10 of them, uh, which matched a school record. Uh, he ended up with 35 as Baylor built a huge lead in this second half. Uh, Baylor cruised to a 88-73 victory and finished undefeated at home for the first time in 73 years. Yeah, you know, you thought the last uh, record of the 23 years was impressive. You know, this one's even more impressive being 73 years. That's that's a really long time. That That's almost a lifetime. That's even more than some people's lifetime, you know. So, I mean, uh, really just a good win. You uh, They, they kind of deserved it, you know. Um, I, I saw a little bit of this one, and they, uh, they did look like they were on fire, you know. It did look like that this was a team kind of focused in, and they were ready, you know, even though uh, – they're only ranked number three, you know, maybe maybe jumping Michigan now that they lost uh, recently. But uh, I mean, they just look like a team that's really set to make a run at this uh, this March Madness trophy. Yeah. And uh, Texas Tech, uh, you know, honestly, a lot of people thought they were going to put up more of a fight. Um, you know, I still think that Texas Tech is a really good team. Uh, but Baylor showed why they were undefeated most of the season. And uh, they're looking really good going into tournament time. Um, but, you know, that is going to do it for this episode of NMSU Sportscast. I've been your host, Dusty Carrasco. And I've been your co-host, Brandon Santamaria. And we'll see you in the next one. Peace. Adios.